tout ça où est lumière qui devant là. Faut qu'on ait nous toutes ces mêmes. Faut qu'on ait tout pour qu'on crée l'histoire, pour qu'on ait tout pour aller. Children 
which is more than one out of four, live without a father in the home. Right? More than one out of four live without a father in the home. So the, the National Fatherhood Initiative states that there is a father factor. They call it a father factor in nearly all of the societal ills facing America today. Research shows that when, uh, when a child is raised in a father absent home, um, and I want to clarify, right, that this means a home or life absent of a father figure. So it's not just about biological dads. We're talking about at least someone who plays that, um, that paternal role in their life. So research shows that for those kids, they are four times more at risk of living in poverty. They are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. They're more likely to have behavioral problems, um, more likely to face abuse and neglect in their life, two times more at risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit crime, and two times more likely to drop out of high school, right? That's without having a father present. There's a direct correlation to the fact that there is no father figure in these kids' lives, and that puts them more at risk. So this is something that affects all types of people, all cultures. But as always, right, I want to look at what's close to home to me. And I have to admit, right, that there is a, there was a premeditation to the removal of black fathers from the black family. It was done on purpose with the intent of shattering our spirit. Absent fathers is something we see often in representations of the black family on the screen, right? We see that so often and in a way we've gotten used to seeing it. It's common. It's another story about a family where the black dad isn't there. But when we go back in our history it's clear that there was a deliberate attempt to remove black fathers from their homes or to remove them from their families, to take them away. And we have to, you know, we have to analyze that a little bit. The goal was to use the bodies of black men for manual labor, right? There is a strength that comes, I think, when people think about the black man, right? That's why so often they say they fear him, right? There's this thing that the black man has, this power. But it was used for the financial gain of other people, right? So in order for oppressors to suck all the life out of these men and to use their strength to their advantage... They had to take everything away from them. They had to remove 
all of the distractions, right, to get them to focus on doing what they needed them to do. Well, fatherhood and and family, that, that was the ultimate distraction. And I say ultimate because when a black man becomes a father, his children, his family become the number one priority. Fatherhood fuels him to to strive for more, to be great, so that he can provide and protect. But the oppressors wanted to use that fuel for something else, right? They understood its power, and they wanted to harness it solely for their personal gain. So they looked to separate Black men from their families severing those bonds, right, by selling them to different plantations, whatever it was that they did to make sure they were taking him away, they were removing his children or, you know, the mother of his children that could distract him from doing what they wanted him to do. When we look back, you know, pre-slavery, when we watch those films or when you watch something like Roots, right, in its entirety, that first portion, we're seeing this profound bond between a Black father and a Black child. We see strength and courage and tradition being passed down. We see love and pride and care on display that bond is is so crucial to the continued growth of a people. So if you're trying to break a people down, attacking that bond, destroying it, gets to be on the top of your to-do list, right? It's it's none of this is by accident. It was very intentional. And then once slavery is abolished, they had to find a new way of enforcing that separation right so that they could continue to benefit so then we see black men being sent to prison in droves right furthering our acceptance of black fathers being absent because a mother has to move on the children have to move on right life is happening and so you get to a point where you just accept that and it's it was passed down to us right it was in our dna you get to a point where you're so far removed from that time that you start to forget that this wasn't a choice. They didn't choose to be absent. They were forced to be. And then years and years and years, hundreds of years later, that's kind of still built in, right? This, this idea that they don't necessarily have to be in the home. And sometimes for some people it becomes normal, but that was the purpose. That was the purpose. The oppressors did such a good job because all these hundreds of years later, they didn't need to still be here necessarily selling black men off to separate them. That separation was kind of happening on its own, its own. That history of absence becomes the norm. And so for a long time, that's what we saw. That's what we saw on TV and in movies being played out in front of us, the story being told about us. 
groups, black fathers are, are absent. And absent doesn't always mean they're out of the home or completely out of the child's life. Sometimes they can be present physically and absent emotionally. Right? That's that's still that that generational trauma that's in the DNA that sometimes makes dads feel like they don't have to be as involved or they don't have to be as present. In their minds, as long as they are doing what's required, which is keeping a roof over their child's head, keeping the lights on, keeping food on the table, who cares if they're gone most of the day because they're working? As long as they did what was required, they're working hard, they're paying the bills. That's this like really old view of what fatherhood is. It's to provide. You make the babies and then you provide for them. And then there was this shift. And I think it kind of started with my dad's generation, right? And now I see it really coming alive with this new generation of dads today. We're getting past this narrative that was forced on us and going back to who we really are, going back to our roots, going back to placing high value on solidifying and nurturing that bond between father and child. Realizing that while providing is important, it's not the most important, right? Providing alone doesn't make a great father. And furthermore, the responsibility of nurturing and loving isn't just on the mother. More importantly than that, mothers aren't the only ones capable of providing that nurturing and that love. Moms and dads are different. But I think that for a long time, there's been this idea, this um, way of thinking that assumes that dad don't, dads don't emotionally connect with their children as much as moms do, right? Or that they're meant to be the disciplinarians, they are meant to be tough, and not show that love that we expect from our moms. But in reality, that, that couldn't be further from the truth, right? That love is there. Sometimes it just manifests itself differently. my father found a way to connect with me, right? I've been doing, I think today we're doing episode eight and I'm always telling you about a movie or a documentary or a TV show that, that I watch. Well, that love comes from my dad, right? My dad introduced me to film. I mean, if, honestly, if, if you know or if you just listen to my mom, you know she is not into movies or television, right? Like, that is not at all her thing. So I had to have gotten it from somewhere. I had to have gotten it from my dad. When I think back to my childhood, I have vivid memories of watching movies with him. Action movies, scary movies, science fiction, right? 
we loved it all. I loved it all, mainly because it was something I got to do with him. It became this love language between the two of us. I remember how excited I would be when he came home from work with a new movie. And when he didn't have the time to watch it with me, he would just ask me what I thought. Ask me if I had enjoyed it. It was this thing that just kind of became a tradition, right? He would go to JNR on his break at work, pick up a new movie for me and my sister when we were little. And I, I remember the day he brought home West Side Story. I had never seen a musical before. And he thought we might like it. We watched it. We loved it. We became obsessed with it. And then all of a sudden we had this love for musicals. We wanted more, right? And we would tell him. And then the next week he'd come back and bring home Singing in the Rain, a new movie for us to watch and get into. He just kept surprising us with these like little movie treats all the time. And that bond over our shared interest in movies grew into other things, right? You had to have a great TV to watch a good movie or, you know, I'd have to have the latest DVD player or if I wanted to sing along to a movie soundtrack, right? I would have to have a great stereo system. So now all of a sudden this is translated into electronics and I, you know, and geeking out with my dad over a new flat screen TV, over a new sound system. I ended up loving gadgets like my dad. Every time something new came out, right, he'd tell me, did you see they're doing 1080p now? And, you know, and all of a sudden it's this, this thing that we have in common that we talk about. And we just, it just kept growing, right? Like we were elevating our movie experience, elevating our music experience, right? And he developed this love for music in me. My dad had records and, and then tapes and then CDs. And I would just want to listen to who he was listening to because I wanted to have something in common with him. I was a kid listening to Harry Belafonte and Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole. That's because of my dad. I just wanted to listen to the songs he loved. And then as I got older, I wanted to collect CDs like my dad collected records. That bond, it never ends, right? Like that love language, that thing that you build with your dad, it stays. Till this day, when I see my dad, one of the first things we ask each other is, what new shows are you watching? What movie have you seen? Is there anything good? And then we talk about the shows we're already watching. You know, we were both so into Game of Thrones and it was, it was fun to talk to him about that, to talk about what was going on, what I thought would happen. It became this thing between the two of us, our love language. And now I'm 36 years old. I'm scrolling through Netflix. If I land on something that's awesome, I want to tell my dad. I have to tell him when I see him, Peppy, you've got to watch this show. I just started watching it. You would, you would love it. That was, that was our thing that he started. Right? It's not necessarily 
the same kind of thing all the other kids around me were doing with their dads but that was our thing it was it was for us and my dad is still you know he's a Haitian man he's a very proud man and he didn't always show a lot of emotion that's just not his style but if he came home from work with a new movie for me I knew he was thinking of me that day. I knew he loved me, and this was his way of showing it. He was present, right? And he indulged me, my movie nights, my game nights, or our Sunday matinee tradition. I was grown by the time we started that, but I really loved the idea of being able to go out on a Sunday morning and see a movie with my whole family. It was something that we could experience together. And I only came to see it that way because that's how he presented it to me as something we could experience together. My dad was present. He was always listening, right? Yes, he provided for me. Of course, he made me feel safe. He made me feel protected, but he also connected with me. And that's something that I cherish. I cherish my connection with my dad. It doesn't matter that it may not be like anyone else's, right? It's not even like how he connects with my sister or my brother. He's got a separate thing with each of them. While my mom, you know, would be my biggest cheerleader, my dad was quiet. Right? He's not a huge talker. We laugh now because, you know, over the years he's become so much more engaging and he's telling jokes and he's, you know, hanging out. And it wasn't always like that. He was he was more the strong, silent type. But I quickly learned that his being quiet didn't mean he wasn't proud of me, didn't mean he wasn't happy for me and the things that I was doing. When I was 11, I I went to work with my dad for Take Your Daughter to Work Day. And I walked in and it was like everyone knew who I was. They knew all about me. They knew what I was doing in school. They knew what I was passionate about. And I remember being so surprised, like, wow, like my dad is really talking to everyone about me. And it was such a good feeling, such a good feeling. Could I get hung up on the fact that he was more of the silent type? Sure, I could. But then I'd be missing out on all the ways he was showing his love for me. My brother-in-law, Michael, who was a new dad to a a seven-and-a-half-month-old baby girl, Savannah, said that being a father definitely gives me a deeper sense of purpose and confidence. It's added another layer of love. Being a father means to be there no matter what. It also has made me more protective of my wife and, of course, protective of my baby. And as a modern dad, I am interested in being more hands-on with my child's care. 
So first, thank you for sharing that with me, Mike. And, you know, you touched on the biggest difference to me between the dads of yesterday and modern dads, which is being more hands-on. I watched this really sweet documentary this weekend called Dads, and it's on Apple TV. Um, This documentary was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is the daughter of, of Ron Howard, right? Ron Howard, who did amazing movies like Beautiful Mind, all that good stuff. And the film focuses on the dichotomy of modern dads doing more and spending more time with their children compared to fathers from past generations. It follows, you know, everyday dads that are telling their stories and giving us a glimpse into what fatherhood means to them. One of them is a black man, a father of three, and he was working this job that he hated and and one day his wife just asked him, you know, would you consider being a stay-at-home dad? She said it was it was hard for her to see him so unhappy. And while this idea of him being a stay-at-home dad was something that she kind of just blurted out, right, without having really put any thought into it, it changed their lives for the better. It made this family better. And you think about it, years ago, the idea of a man being a stay-at-home dad it's kind of ludicrous, right? Like, that's just something women did. Well, now there's really no reason for it not to be considered. Because on the flip side, women can be providers for their families. So why can't men be caretakers? And it was just really nice to see. I mean, I definitely would recommend it um, for anybody who is looking for something sweet to watch. And... This dad, he kind of just went from not having a clue what to do with his kids to finding his purpose. Those were his actual words. Being a father, becoming a stay-at-home dad allowed him to find his purpose, to finally figure out what he was meant to do. And the best part about it is, you know, in this age of social media and smartphones, he just started filming it. He started filming all these interactions, all these experiences with his kids and sharing it. And all of a sudden, he saw that he wasn't alone, right? He created this space for men, specifically black men, to openly share their journeys in fatherhood and learn from each other. You got to love that, right? It's all just breaking down this myth that dads aren't capable or willing to do that hard, nurturing work. I've seen so many videos at this point, awesome videos of dads just hanging out with their kids, right? Talking to them. You're seeing them go viral. They're dancing with their kids, working out with them, um, cooking with them. I think even LeBron James, you know, LeBron James, who was this arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time, right, like a real manly man, is taking the time to get on his five-year-old daughter Zuri's YouTube channel and cook with her. 
you're seeing, you know, Jay-Z sitting courtside with his daughter at basketball games. And Kobe Bryant passed away this year doing what he loved most, taking his daughter to practice. All these seemingly really macho men are showing us how much they love spending time with their kids. They're showing us that dads being incapable of doting on their children is a myth. Dads are present and they are doing the tough work of raising children in today's world, right? Trying to shield them and give them tools to fly at the same time. It's not easy, but it makes all the difference. Involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. Their presence matters. According to the National Fatherhood Initiative, children with involved dads are less likely to be mistreated. Teenage boys whose fathers are invested in them are less likely to carry guns or deal drugs. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they have consistent contact and a sense of closeness with their dads or father figures. Having a dad makes a difference. Not saying you can't be happy or have success when you don't have one. I'm just saying it's a little easier when there's a father or father figure present. These are facts that we need to relearn because our society has done such a good job of minimizing the importance of the role a father or father figure plays. You know, too often we see in the court system rights removed from dads because of this notion that mom is more valuable to a child. Both roles are important. Both roles are vital. You know, too often we see some women use children or access to children as a tool to hurt or control their fathers. And we as a society, we, we let that happen. We let it go unchecked when we shouldn't, right? And of course, I know that not every situation is the same. There are absolutely cases when the dad should be removed from the picture. But that's just as there are cases when mom should be removed from the picture. It is possible for either one of them to be unfit, But I'd like to believe that more often than not, the best scenario for the child is when both parents or at least a maternal and paternal figure can be present working together. As of 2014, I think, there were only 2 million single father households compared to 10 million single mother households. Right, so while I'm sure a lot of that happens naturally, it's clear that society is more willing to support a single mom versus a single dad. That's the thing that has to change. That 
fatherly love and support is key. Not just for the child, but also for the man, right? When you take away a man's access to his kids, if you take his take away his ability to to show his love for them, to bond with them, you're a part of the problem. There is a part of his spirit that you are crushing in a way that is irreversible. When a father feels like he can't be there, when he, in his mind, fails in some way, when he isn't able to provide in the way that he wants or protect in the way that he wants, that's something that can't be undone. That's a feeling that will stay with him forever. Last week, I rewatched um, the special that Oprah did with the cast of When They See Us. And in addition to the cast, you know, the five actual, the exonerated five were also there and they were, you know, talking about their experience. And one of, one of the men, his dad was um, easily kind of tricked or convinced by police that if he got his son to admit to these crimes, this would all be over and they could just move on. And he did that, right? And his son listened to him. And now all these years later, he's passed away. His son is on the stage talking about the pain that that has left with him, that his dad didn't, you know, fight for him or stand up for him or protect him in that scenario. And the actor who played his father said that in order to really tap into that role, to really get into the character, he had to imagine what it feels like as a man, as a father, to fail your child. And how that would make you want to just run away and disappear because the shame of it was too much. So there really is something that happens to the soul of a dad when that ability to protect and care for his child or love, simply love on his child is taken away. And to the men who themselves are choosing to be absent from their kids' lives or accepting that they can't or shouldn't be in their kids' lives, you're not just hurting the kids, you're hurting yourself as well. You're being part of the problem in this case as well. Because the truth is that men with absent fathers are more likely to become men who are absent fathers themselves. And women with absent fathers are more likely to have children with men who become absent fathers. It's this vicious cycle. So if you don't want to be a part of the problem, you have to break it, right? And the only way to end that is for us to make sure that fathers or father figures are present. That's the only way that I can see. 
we're all human, right? We're all made of the same stuff. So this idea that a man can't provide the same level of care and love and nurturing as a woman is inaccurate. I've been watching this docu-series on Netflix called Babies, and it's so interesting, right? If you're looking for something to watch, I highly recommend it. Babies, it just, it explores how kids discover life in their first year, but scientifically, right? Like it's based on science. So from eating to sleeping to crawling and walking, it's sharing results from scientific studies done to give us a peek inside to give us a peek inside babies' brains, right? To get an idea of what they are experiencing. I mean, it's really fantastic and just really enlightening. But for the purpose of today, I want to look at this study they did in the first episode, right? To understand how babies love their parents so instantly and how parents love them right back, right away. I've heard so many moms say that they just can't explain it, right? But the minute their doctor put their baby in their arms, they were just in love. They felt love for this being that they were just seeing for the first time. And and I got to witness that firsthand, you know, a few months ago when my sister held my niece for the first time. And I've shared with you in the past just how close my sister and I are, right? Like, we can understand and feel each other with just one look. And so being there in that room, I could see it. The love in her eyes when she looked at her daughter just was so, um, it was so real. It actually felt like tangible, like I could touch it and feel it in the room. It just took over. I knew she was in love. Well, according to these studies um, in this in this first episode of Babies, it is a real thing. It's not it's not this make believe story that people tell themselves. Oh, I fell in love with my baby. No, it's like a real thing, and they called it the biology of bonding. When a mom holds her child for the first time, oxytocin is released. But it's not just in her, it's released in the baby as well. And it just creates this like mutually rewarding thing, this synchronicity between them. The more they look at each other, the more they touch each other, the more oxytocin is released. And that's that feeling of love. It just takes over and they bond. Well, what was so interesting to me is that when they tested fathers the same thing occurred the more dad looked at and touched his baby the more oxytocin was released in him so on a biological level fathers can bond in the same way as mothers the difference starts to happen when one parent takes on that role of primary caregiver, right? And they become the one that's mostly touching and holding the baby. So whoever spends more time with the baby will have a deeper bond. The point is that both parents are capable of developing that bond, 
That is, that is science. It's a fact. If dads are reduced to just providing, then yeah, of course, right? They can just do that. But why would we just have them do that? Going back to like my love of electronics, it's like having this amazing surround sound system, but yet you choose to only listen through your TV speakers. Why? If you have something capable of enhancing your experience, why not use it? So sure, dad can just provide a good life for you. But don't you want a great one? Don't you want to live this life to the fullest and take all the benefits that come from having a super involved dad? With all of the um, Father's Day posts, right, that I was seeing, we see that, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day, everybody starts posting. And I saw one yesterday that really struck me and I wanted to, I wanted to share it with you. So this is from Kelly Rowland and she posted this picture of her and her dad. And she said, this is the day I met Christopher Lovett, my biological father. This was honestly one of the most pivotal moments in my life. After 30 years of not seeing him, not speaking with him, what would that mean for me, my family, my psyche? Well, on this day in October 2018, I would find out. I finally found him, set up the meeting. And at this time, I was filming American Soul. When I tell you I was petrified, I was walking to meet him and my feet suddenly felt like they weighed a ton. Needless to say, I was overcome by anxiety, and I had a full-on anxiety attack. In that moment, I felt like the abandoned eight-year-old girl. My team calmed me down, and as I turned the corner, in my head, I was cursing this man. Why didn't you come find me? Did you love me? Am I worthy? And when I looked at him, and he looked at me. Nothing came to my lips, not a word. I felt the spirit say to me, listen. So I listened to him. I was nervous to trust him, nervous to forgive him, nervous to love him, nervous about it all. And the truth is, I already loved him. I spoke to my protective husband and those closest to me, and they encouraged me to forgive and jump. And since this time, I've forgiven and we have spoken every day. I have come to know so much about myself, my family history, even where my love of music and voice have come from. I love you, Daddy. And loving and love being your little girl, even at 39. P.S. We are making up for lost time, and when I tell you, him telling me how smart and beautiful I am will never get old. I don't know about you, but as I was reading it, I could feel it. I could feel it. 
Kelly Rowland is a success, right? She's a third of the fourth highest record-selling female group of all time in the entire world. If that's not success, then I don't know what is. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a businesswoman. And still, to this day, at this time, at 39 years old, she shares how impactful it is for her father, who was once absent, to tell her how beautiful she is. There's a lot of power in a father. If she had chosen to keep that door closed, to be angry at the 30 years he missed, instead of welcoming all the days they could now spend together, she would have denied herself this gift. And I'm sure, just as it makes her feel good, it makes him feel good to be able to tell her she's beautiful, to be able to tell her she's smart. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think it's a pretty safe guess to say that he too is just forever changed from reconnecting with her. That his life has taken a turn for the better since building this new relationship with his daughter. Like any relationship, if you want it to work, if you want to reap the benefits that this relationship can provide, you have to let go and forgive the past. Our fathers are human. They make mistakes, sometimes really big ones. But they too are dealing with that generational trauma, right? Their dad was gone too, and maybe his dad before him was also absent. It's a cycle that, that needs to be broken. We have to forgive and move forward. Yeah, we just we we have we have to forgive. There's there's no way around that. And we have to celebrate all the dads that are there, right? And stop focusing on those that aren't. Repeating this story over and over about how many absent fathers there are, it's just, it's not, it's not a narrative we need to continue to play in our minds. I'm surrounded by awesome dads who provide, who show up, who support, who love, who teach, who inspire, who mentor, who care for their kids. They laugh with us, cry with us, you know, um, they discipline us when necessary. And for the dads who are out there and are not doing it, we need to give them the room to do so. They have it in them. And if we're quick to forget that, they will forget it too. There are amazing men out there stepping up to father kids who are not biologically theirs. It's needed. 
we can see that it makes a difference. It's in the stats, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a real thing. The importance and power of a father is not a matter of opinion. It's, it's a fact. As I get ready to close, I'd love to give someone the opportunity to celebrate their father or a father figure in their life. So if you're listening and you'd like to say a few words about or to your dad, please let me know. Send me a message at 201-298-3027. That's 201-298-3027. And I will, you know, I'll just randomly select um, select someone to jump in before we sign off today. I don't know. Um, I don't know where I'd be without my dad. And I've got one of the strongest moms there is. But it doesn't change the fact that I need my dad. My dad has taught me that I am worthy. He's taught me what it means to be responsible. What it means to be a woman of my word. He showed me all that is possible when you work hard, when you educate yourself. He's taught me how to be a good person. And there's something about that feeling that you get when you make your dad proud. It just, it fuels me. There have been many times in my life when I thought of doing something, you know, something not so great. And I stopped myself because I could picture my dad's face. Not that he even needed to say anything. I know the look he gives me when he's proud. And so I know the other look too, right? I know that other look that eats at me. So I do my best not to do the things that would bring that on. Our dads and father figures aren't perfect, but they'll be there for us if we let them. And their presence is priceless, so we we have to celebrate them. Going back to the dad's documentary, um, Bryce Dallas Howard also interviewed a few celebrity dads, right? There were a couple of people on there. So Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, um, Conan O'Brien, Judd, Judd Apatow, Kenan Thompson, Neil Patrick Harris, and, um, and Will Smith. And she asked them each to complete this sentence, right? A father is. And they all said meaningful things about what it means to them. But for me, by far, the one that really spoke to me was Will Smith. He explained what a gardener is to a seed. He said that a gardener plants a seed with the intention of seeing it grow, right? Seeing it grow into what it's meant to be. 
and that makes sense, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't plant a tomato seed and expect a pepper to grow, right? You wouldn't try to change a jalapeno seed that you planted into a green pepper as it was growing, right? You plant a seed with the hopes that if you give it all it needs, water, sunlight, it will one day grow into exactly what it's meant to be. So he concluded, a father is a gardener. And that was so powerful to me. The best fathers don't try to force their kids into being the vision that they see for them. Instead, they try to provide all that their child needs in order to realize their own dreams, in order for them to become who they are meant to be. And so before we finish, I got a couple of messages and I, I want to call um, one of our listeners. Uh, okay, perfect. Great. Diana, are you on? I am. Awesome. So I wanted to give you the floor to, to say whatever you'd like to say about your dad. So like you, um, first of all, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, you know, it's, it's hard being, you know, a man in this day and age, but a father is even, you know, harder to, to, to really hold on to. But for my dad, similar to yours, my dad is a Haitian dad and let me tell you something, that emotion, <laughs> it's not easily seen, but similar to what you said about how you, they, you find something in common with them or them with you, and they just grow on it. And one of the things I remember as a kid, my dad used to take my sister and I to school, and he would always get us something new to eat. We'd try hot dogs with sauerkraut. He'd get us McDonald's, things that my mom did not approve of. <laughs> he, just wanted us, he just wanted us to open our mind. And I think, you know, that's why my love of food is so great because I've had so many great examples. Him being the first that showed me that. And me, even now in, you know, later years of my life and him, you know, enjoying everything that I make, like burgers, chicken, anything. He's like, that's good. You should try that again. Or, you know, very supportive. So, you know, I've learned, I've learned a lot from him, and I'm so grateful to have him in my life. It was a tough go, but, you know, every day we work at our relationship, and I think that's what makes fathers great is that they don't take personal how we feel about them at that moment. They just grow with us as we continue to, you know, grow in age. And I think that's very important for our fathers today. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks, Diana. Bye. So, yeah, I love that, right? Like so many of us have had things in our lives that we were introduced to by our dads and those things stay with us, right? They shape us. They become a part of what makes us who we are. And that's what, that's what I, that's what I see, you know, when I look at the modern dads around me, when I look at my brother-in-law, Mike, you know, when I look at my friends who are dads, they are teaching their kids new things every day. 
teaching their kids to be proud of what they see when they look in the mirror, teaching them to make choices that will allow them to be the best versions of themselves. They are giving them love, laughing with them, being silly with them, you know, not taking themselves too seriously. They're opening this line of communication that just, it just promotes honesty and it allows for vulnerability. That's just so beautiful to see. With each hug and each kiss, they are dispelling the myth that fathers are providers only and that fathers aren't as important as moms. They are breaking down this idea that fathers aren't capable of emotionally connecting with their children or that or that that emotional connection between a father and a child isn't necessary. We need our fathers. We need our father figures to be open with us, to allow us to be open with them. I applaud the amazing dads in my circle. Right to the modern dads that I know, Michael, Wes, Omar, Kevin, um, Ralph, Kenneth, Khalid, um, Clovis, Harry, Hassan, Kirkland. I applaud you, and I hope that you had just the most amazing Father's Day that you deserve. And to the old school dads who paved the way for modern dads, especially my dad. I applaud you. And so with that, my challenge to you this week is this. If you have a dad or a father figure in your life that you did not get a chance to celebrate yesterday, don't wait until Father's Day 2021. Call them today. Tell them how much they've meant to you. Tell them that their love and support made you who you are today. It made all these things that you're accomplishing possible. Or if you know a father or a father figure who has been amazing, you know, if it's a friend of yours, if it's a family member, reach out to him. Tell him that it hasn't gone unnoticed. If you are a father who has been absent, call your child. Tell them you're sorry. Tell them that you want to be there. Tell them that you miss them. Tell them that if they'll allow it, you want to start making up for lost time. And I would say... Um, lastly, if your father has been absent, find them, reach out to them, you know, open that line of communication. And if they are willing to do the work, right? Only if they are willing to do the work, forgive them, let them back in. Because you'll be better for it. And he will be better for it. And your children will be better for it. As always, if you have a friend or a colleague that you think would have enjoyed today's topic, 
please let them know that the show will replay on Wednesday at 6 p.m. And for next week, we will really be talking about anxiety. I had to put it off this week because I wanted to talk about dads. But next week, we will talk about anxiety and de-escalating it. So please mark your calendars for next Monday, 6 p.m. here on Radio Africa 1804. And in the meantime, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions about what I was talking about today, please feel free to message me on Facebook at Lori Lee Camo or on Instagram at Lori Lee underscore. Thank you for listening. Chaque monde qui est en vision, oui, pas confusion, c'est